Well, here Dive we go. In. Cracking. Can we, can we, uh, yeah. Dave, you want to explain who we have on the podcast here today? Cause we have think... a special guest today. The one, the only, the world-renowned. Oh, boy. Here we go. Chris Rush. Dad. Dad. <laughs> Sam. Oh, yeah, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. Uh, happy to have you on. Viper Energy. There we go. Right, cheers. cheers to water. I already had Absolutely. too much caffeine today. That was a double sipper. Ooh, that's good. <clears throat> good cold. So we got Chris Rush on, Dylan and my dad. <laughs> good English. Our dad. <laughs> there our we go. Father. Our fathers. <laughs> so if it wasn't for this man we have sitting at the table, we truly wouldn't be where we're at today. The chairs that we're sitting on, this company that we built, was all because of this genius right here. Oh, brother. That was sick and tired <laughs> of his cheap, poorly made shop stool while he was welding and working on all of his stuff and he pieced together this shop chair that is now the viper chair seen all across the country and world all because of this man right here oh, welcome to the show thank you thanks for having me this is great absolutely i've been I'm excited to be here it's been long overdue yeah we talk about a lot of a lot of things and finally we're able to get you on you've been you've been traveling a lot lately i have been um, good old chicago yesterday oh, Milwaukee. Don't, don't even bring it up <laughs> Chicago, man. I, anybody that lives there, what is wrong with you? That, that city fucking <laughs> just, sucks. Uh, instantly removed all the Chicago listeners. <laughs> yeah, there goes there goes all our Chicago. So you do have to wonder though. I was there last week, and like, who would want to sit in traffic for it is forty five to fifty minutes just to like get from one destination to the forty five minutes would have been fast. We sat in traffic for two hours. Damn. Two hours on the way there. Two hours on the way out. It was brutal. I mean, it's... Chicago is honestly like a quick three-hour drive if it didn't add up to four and a half with traffic. Yeah, it it sucks. <laughs> what were you saying? The, uh, <laughs> people sort of just blow their brains off of the car. I said I'm surprised there's not people just dead laying all over the place. Mass blowing suicide their brains the, on the highways. <laughs> So if you want to know who Chris Rush is, that's Chris Rush right there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I mean, I don't know. Being downtown and stuff is cool on occasion, but... Just getting there and getting out of there is a the, problem. The traffic and stuff is just, it's unbearable Yeah, good me. food, though, too. We live up, I mean, we live in paradise up here, or if I have to wait Shh, at us... Don't a, tell them that. Don't oh, tell yeah. them all that. They're all going to come up. They already come up here. <laughs> if I have to wait at a stoplight for three minutes, I'm already starting to get antsy. <laughs> you can see it, too. You start gripping the steering wheel. like, come on, time. turn green already. Damn it. we got to work on some uh, some breathing practices with you, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to be freaking drunk. Going through. <laughs> you can't drive, then. I can't drive. <laughs> Well, in Chicago traffic, are you really driving? Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> no. Well, yeah, we just sort of like inching. It was one hour in, and I turned around to see where we left the McCormick place, and I could still see the Sears Tower. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. <laughs> You're one of the people that I remember when, last time we drove to Chicago. You could see traffic ahead. We didn't hit it yet. It break was probably lights. like five miles ahead. Break lights, break lights, break lights. Oh, here we go. Sometimes I don't get why there's traffic to begin with. Like exactly. You'll be on the interstate, and then if like you finally get out of the thick of it, you get up to like 45, and then brake lights and it's like there's no accident there's like no on-ramp yeah, here like why are we slowing down like 
Well, you, you see it as when it's like the domino effect. You have a big group of cars that'll just start to break or somebody's going too fast and then slow down to get to that next person. Then it just slowly and works its, its way back. Rubberneckers and- And it doesn't oh, even yeah. need to be any any accidents or anything. Cause then you ever get it where you're sitting in traffic for like two hours and then you get to where there was supposed to be a crash or something, there's nothing. Yeah. And then you, everyone's just going. It's because everybody just started to pump their brakes at one point and it just slowly worked its way back. It's stupid. It is stupid. <laughs> we are very grateful. Yeah. When I started to live where we live. When I started driving, I always wondered why like people didn't just let off their foot like off the brake at red lights as soon as they turned green, and then we could all move forward at the same time rather than like What's... one person goes, the next person follows. Like... That would include like twenty people paying attention to the same thing. Yeah, not on it's the not going to happen. Yeah. So now, now you got these freaking things here, and that, yeah. that makes it a hundred times yeah. worse because everybody's on their freaking phone. Yeah, no. <clears throat> I just wonder where is everybody going? That too. Like, where, yeah. where, where is go? everybody going? Yeah, where are you going? Sometimes I don't know, but we were going <laughs> to the McCormick place for Fabtech. But why is anybody on the road when you're on the road? I know. <laughs> Isn't that insane, dude? And it wasn't even rush hour. It was like eleven o'clock. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was just insane. dumb. I was really crabby yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> he was fun to ride with for five, what, no, six hours? How many guys do you have? No, more than that. Vehicle? Eight hours, five. Yeah. How many people were in the, in the vehicle? Five. Five guys. I will say that something about driving with you in traffic <laughs> is full car. Honestly, one of my favorite things. <laughs> it is so funny. I get so wired. You get so wired, so pissed off. And it's just like, as a passenger, I can see it as a driver. But as a passenger, you see it, you're just like, whatever, and you laugh at the person getting all pissed off. It's, it's comical. And I think I tamed down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting better. <laughs> Mellowed out a little bit. Mellowed out a little yeah. bit, yeah. Yeah, but you've been traveling a ton. Then you got back just last week also from uh, Gas Monkey Garage. Yeah. Damn. So we did a uh, metal shaping event um, down at Gas Monkey, and uh, this is something that we used to do pre-COVID. We do, yeah, I think we did, we'd do like two a year, mm-hmm. but this was when I was still involved in the companies and, uh, right before COVID, uh, we were going to do one big, big one at that time. And we were all packed, ready to go. And it was going to be a Bobby Walden shop in Pomona, mm-hmm. California. And, uh, well, that was when COVID was breaking and they were just about ready to shut the country down. And we were like the day before. It was like, are we going or aren't we going? Mm-hmm. Nobody knew what to do. This is all new to everybody. And we just says, you know what? Screw it. We're not, we're not going to do it. We pulled it. And then the next day, they shut the country down. Okay. Wow. You know, so we would have made it very far anyway then. So we made the yeah. right call, you know, other than being there and then everything t- turns to shit, you know. So. Right. So that was what? Now that's four years ago. And uh, now they barely brought it back. And uh, they wanted to bring it back in a big splash. And a big splash was having it, you know, somewhere yeah. like Gas Monkey or somebody, you know, well-known in the industry. That's awesome. So uh, it was fun. Yeah, I had a really good time, actually. So how do they, how do they break the classes down? Like, how, what does the event look like? <laughs> well, so they had a uh, semi-trailer full of uh, Bailey machinery and uh, the stuff that we used to build at Rush Machine. So uh, three power hammers. Um, I don't know how many bead rollers. Shit, there must have been ten, one, two, three, you know, six, seven, maybe eight bead rollers were there. Nice. Um, English wheels, multiple English wheels, multiple planishing hammers. Uh, they brought the mag brake. Um, Damn. So it was a whole semi full of equipment. And it stays there then too, or does it get shipped back? No, it got shipped back. So they, uh, so Shane Henderson, he went down there 
I don't know, a few days early. Maybe it was a week early. I don't remember. But he went there. They got all the machines there. They got it set up. And then uh, we all came in um, on Friday, and I did my spiel on uh, Friday night. And then uh, they hosted the event uh, with uh, food and drinks. And, I mean, Richard was a great host. The place is amazing for for having uh, groups and stuff there. It's really set up well for having a lot of people there. That's awesome. So it's broken down into classes? So, well, what it is is uh, all of us um, instructors had our set demo that we did. Each of us had a pre-planned demonstration that we do, and we tried to keep it, you know, hour, hour and a half, no more than that, so everybody could get through their demonstrations. And then all the students uh, would stand behind and kind of watch what you do, and then they would try to learn from that, and then... Saturday afternoon is when the students would be cut loose to go ahead and uh, either make one of the projects that we demoed or just experiment. We had mm-hmm. a bunch of different projects that you could experiment with. So what kind of students do you, do you guys attract there? Are they, uh, are they all coach builders? Are they people that just want to learn this um, learn this as a hobby? Do they, are they doing this for a job? What kind of people are, are attending a, this? It's a little bit of every everything. And, uh, you know, Shane does the... Uh, what do you want to call it, acceptance, you know, if you apply to it or whatever. So I don't really know what his criteria is to accept people. But So not everybody makes the cut? No, I guess not. And not, like I said, I don't know how he does it, but uh, we had a, the, it was a great group of people. There really was. And we had a little bit of each. We had some uh, some very skilled people that were in the class this time that could have put on their own demonstration. And we had some beginners that never touched a, a hammer in their life. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit of each. And uh um, it, I shouldn't say it makes it challenging, but, you know, you can go from talking to one guy that kind of can teach you stuff, and then you go from somebody that never picked up a hammer before. So yeah. it, it's a little different. So you have to kind of wade through all that and mm-hmm. uh, keep people active and going at their project and learning at the same time. Mm-hmm. One of the coolest things is that <clears throat> that metal shaping industry, you guys have this awesome group of core guys that, we do. Were, that, that were the instructors. And, um, you know, I really – do you feel like there's more people coming up in that industry? Well, it. Um, I mean, there was a big influx of it pre-COVID. It was a pretty good growing industry. Um, COVID came and kind of the whole world changed, you know, mm-hmm. even metal shaping changed. I don't know why. It just kind of got flat. It seemed like throughout all of COVID time, you know, um, that metal shaping industry seemed very flat. Um, but now it seems like it's gr- growing a resurgence. Yeah. Well, putting on events like that, I mean, going to Gas Monkey Garage would be, would be super yeah, cool. Yeah, so it was cool. I think that's a great idea to kick it off with an event like that that is Gas Monkey. I mean, they've been yeah. around for, for a while. They're a massive name. And um, especially with all the instructors. So it was you, Mike Wagner. Yeah, so it was me, uh, Mike Wagner, Kali Yoakum, Christian Sosa, um, Bobby Walden, and uh, yeah, that was a that's a solid team right there. Solid team, yeah. Heavy hitters, yeah. Heavy hitters, and uh, they're all Josh Allison too. So him and I had never met. Um, Josh is a uh, he uh, would build motorcycles and mm-hmm. stuff for. Uh, I think he worked at OCC for a while, but holy crap, is that guy talented? Yeah. So um, I never followed him. I didn't really know all, all that much about him, but hip, watching his demo was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. 
So he, you know, he's his core thing is hand tools. You know, he does everything with hand tools. Old school. Old school. Mm-hmm. But man, he whipped up. You know, he whipped up a fender for a guy, and it was beautiful. I mean, you could have put bolted it on the bike. It was perfect. So a block of wood, a, a bag, and, and a, a stump, hammer. Yeah, That's a bag, does. stump. You know, mechanical shrinkers, planishing, English wheel. That shit's amazing. That's yeah. flat out artist. Yeah. Let's take a flat sheet of steel and beat it into submission into the shape that we want. That's and it's basically it. it is, yeah, <laughs> no, it has to be perfect. You know? Yeah, especially the stuff that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I was always amazed by it's that. Wild. Even working when I did work at uh, by you at RMD, it's just it wasn't it wasn't art. And those people were they're totally artists. Yeah, it was. It's just they have the vision on knowing what they got to do, knowing what tools they have to use to get it there. And uh, it's just, it's it's super amazing. It is. And that was the craft that always intrigued me, and that's why I got into it, because I just what Dylan said, that was the same reason I got into it, is because it was um, kind of mind-baffling to me that this could be done. Right. And I kind of just took it on its own its own course on making equipment so other people can do this, because I wanted to do it, right. too. So that's, that's a good avenue to go off of. So the metal shaping, like the power hammers and stuff, came after the two benders. It did. Right? So mm-hmm. um, go. can you walk through, like, beginning when we were kids, like, how did RMD get started? Yeah. Where so, did, I did, mean, this is – it's kind of my standard story. Um, everything happened – well, I'll back up a little bit. So if you want the whole tell, – Tell them who you are, where you came from. Like yeah, so right from the right from the beginning. So right out of high school, um, I started working for a company. It was called Omega Manufacturing, and uh, that company uh, made high-speed wrapping equipment. And uh, I started working at that company. Like I said, right out of high school, I was sweeping floors, um, going, just trying to learn as much as I could. But I was really impressed and fascinated with this type of equipment. It was fast-moving, big machinery type stuff. So that's what drew you to that company? Did you go No, ahead? I just was looking for a job. <laughs> oh, so you just were going yeah, around? Yeah, my, I mean, at that time, applications, or at how that did time you get there? jobs were few and far between, and my dad told me, he's like, you got to get a job. And so is this the 80s? This is 1985. Mm-hmm. And Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know. Ever get, see that one with Kevin Hart? Where some guy tells his age, he's like, yeah, I'm 55. He's like, damn. <laughs> Everybody gets there. But oh, back in the lucky. 80s, the, the economy wasn't that great. And uh, getting a job wasn't wasn't the easy thing to do. Jobs were few and far between. And uh, my dad's like, you get a job, you get in a company somewhere and, you know, don't gripe about what it is or yeah. pay. Just take the freaking job to get a job. Just be grateful to have yeah. a job. It's very different than what, what it is what nowadays. Now. Yeah. So, so different. So I did. And uh, um, I was kind of a gear. I mean, I was a total gearhead in school. And I w- went and applied at this place. And I brought all of my shop projects along in the back of my mom's uh, Chevette. Mm-hmm. So I had uh, I, I built a floor jack, and I can't remember you know every basically every high school shop project that I made. Yeah, I brought along to my interview to show the guy who was interviewing me like, well, this is what stuff yeah. that I built yeah. in school. Case and, uh, studies. You brought your case yeah. studies along. <laughs> so uh, needless to say, I got hired in uh, three seventy five an hour. Huh? Wow, there you Not really? bad. Yeah, that was that was, uh, that was insane. And I uh, started working for that company, and we were working. Uh, I mean, right out of the gate, I worked uh, 10 hours a day for like, 
like eight years. Okay, so you're in high school at this point. So well, I was sweeping floor. Okay, so I started and then I started part time because I was right at the end of my uh, my senior year. Yeah. So I started in uh, I don't know it might have been May March somewhere in there but somewhere towards the end of my senior year I started. So 18 years old about 17 it, yeah, 17 18 okay. somewhere and then uh, after so my last two classes of school I had uh, what's that called I don't remember anymore where you get out oh you get out of school just early uh, release or early early yeah. release yeah. or whatever it was because I yeah. I had, well, I had my credits my credits were full and I could leave yeah. a couple hours early so I would leave early and I would go and then. Uh, Basically, I was just a gopher, just running around shop, sweeping floors, putting steel away, doing you know whatever they told me to do. Yeah. And then uh, once I graduated from high school, um, I started working full time. And then, like I said, it was ten hours a day for shit. It had to be you know seven, eight years. Damn. Wow. And so then, that's that's how they, how we worked back then. It was yeah. tens, and there was no negotiating. <laughs> and at this time, you when did you meet mom? So you met mom. Yeah, we, me and mom met. Uh, that was at Mole Lake, and uh, I'm trying to think of the – well, that was right around the same time, so 1986, 87, 86. So, like, pretty much right out of high school? Right out of high school, yeah. So met mom, <clears throat> started dating her, got this job, yep. working like a dog, and then w- what was mom doing? Uh, back then, I'm trying to think now, Chris, that's a long time ago. Um, what the hell was she doing? So well, you're she, telling me there's no influencer jobs making $10 million no. a month and <laughs> driving around in hurricanes and shit? Well, mom was working at <laughs> uh, Manitowoc Ice, that's right. So she was a uh, factory job uh, building refrigerators. So two people starting off in the grindstone, putting their their feet to the stone and working minimum, yep. minimum wage for 10 hours a day just to make buy. And you guys yeah. were happier than a clam. We were. Yeah, it was great. And... Uh, well, then we bought a house. Um, well, I can't remember. i bad with years. I have to write all this shit down. But uh, we bought um, Tracy, my wife, Tracy, or your mom, <laughs> the, your grandpa's house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we bought Ivor's house because he was moving out to his cottage. Well, probably for like 15 grand. No, it was 26,000, I believe. 26 grand. Yeah. That's a nice house. And now I bet you that house is probably like 350 grand. Uh, I think it just sold for. I don't know if it was 200, but somewhere around That's 200, insane. I think. But interest rates were also pretty high back then, weren't they? In the 80s, 90s, they were. Yeah, so we got a, what was, it was called a WIDA loan back then. And I don't know, 6.9% pops in my head. But I think there was a uh, a time when we had a 9% interest rate, but that was for a really sh- short time. And then mm-hmm. we refinanced and got a WIDA loan. And But it was high, in- high interest rate for a long time. Mm-hmm. So you're working at this job, met mom, you guys are, are both hitting it hard. And at what point, so did you continue to move up at Omega then? Yeah, I did. So um, at Omega, I mean, I, I kind of just, I always tried to kind of put myself in a position to make something because sweeping floors was kind of getting old and I thought I was more valuable than that to the company. So I wanted to make parts. You didn't just expect it? No. No, I didn't expect it. So I would put myself in a position. There would be a, a skid full of parts, and a machine was open. And then uh, I can't remember the name of my boss at that time, but anyhow, I would go to him. I'm like, uh, I can I can make some of that stuff on the pallet, you know. Yeah. He's like, oh, I don't know if you're ready yet, you know. So he would give me something lesser of a task to do, right. or, you know, drill press work or something like that. You got to remember back then, um, all these machines and stuff that we built were. Um, 
they were all done on manual equipment. There right. were, you know, I mean, CNCs. So yeah. everything was done on a Bridgeport-style mill, uh, drill press, lathe, all manual stuff. So yep. you, you made a part, you made it all by hand. Mm-hmm. You know, but I wanted I wanted to challenge myself back then because I you know that every part on these pallets was new to me. It mm-hmm. was a new part, and I wanted to see if I could make it. And I don't know if it was you telling telling us this or if it was Ivor, but one of your bosses were, was a boss that would like fire someone if you didn't like how they walked. Well, that was my uh, well, that was the guy who hired me. That was the owner of the company. So yeah, he would if he if you were walking through the shop and you were sloughing or shuffling your feet. He would go to, okay, so there was the main boss, the guy who owned the company, the main yeah. boss, and then he had a boss that ran the shop. Right. So he, if he saw somebody he didn't like, he would go to the boss that ran the shop and he'd say, I don't like that guy's body language, <laughs> get rid of him. <laughs> and he'd haul him in the office and fire him, <laughs> freaking fire him. Yikes. So we had a running tally. Tough place to work, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, we had a running tally. It was kind of a joke to all us guys in the shop of, uh, of the people that would come and go and how long they would last. Yeah. So we had in the bottom of our toolbox, we had a list of, <laughs> of people. Are you guys that bet how long they would well, stay? Well, we probably did. Yeah, you know, I don't funny. remember that in detail. But you can tell right away but, if who's, who's going to make it and who's oh, not. Yeah. Like you know the well nowadays it's kind of commonplace, but we had a guy that didn't even make it to lunch one time. Oh, <laughs> <my God. laughs> so, See, so I mean, it sounds tough though, but in in reality, I like the 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 owner's mindset. Like. Yeah. You don't want. I mean, if if you can't even carry yourself with positivity and confidence, yeah. is that really somebody mm-hmm. that you want working with your team and that's going to push the company forward and push the employees forward, or is it just going to be somebody that drags the entire team down? Right. Right. So yeah, you could look at it as being, well, this guy's an asshole, or you could look at, well, this guy knows what he fucking wants. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, I, I mean, I think I something slowly but surely over the last 20, 30 years, there's been a mind shift change in the generation that's been t- announced your mindset was i'm gonna prove it to my boss that i can do x y and z I'm in order gonna... to in order to grow in exactly. order to progress myself but even before that you work like a dog for five years doing the same thing every single day yeah every single day but you want to prove it and you didn't expect anything where now that completely flipped and it's like less work more expectations exactly you know it's and it's kind of sad because uh, it I came from? I don't know why people don't want to uh, grow themselves. Well, no, they have to prove themselves. Why wouldn't you want to prove to somebody that you can that you can fucking do it? Right. You know, I would and earn their and earn their trust like and respect. It, like going to work for me is I wanted the challenge. Right. <laughs> I wanted to be challenged with something really hard. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and take it to the next level and. Maybe make it better, whatever the challenge was. How yeah. can I do this job and make it better? Right. You know, I mean, granted, everybody has the time when they're like, you know, burned out a little bit and you're kind of tired. But, you know, back then, you, there was no sloughing. Like, if you had a cell phone back then, oh my God, there would be nobody working at my company. Oh, everybody right. would be fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you have all robots in there. You wanted, to, you wanted to prove it to them. You saw this pallet of stuff. And where did you take it from there? Because eventually you started moving up. Yeah, then uh, finally, I I can't remember exactly how it happened, but I finally, I got allowed to make some of the more complicated parts. Mm -hmm. And I would make one and I'm just like, don't screw this up, you know, don't screw up the part because, you know, you got, and uh, I made the parts and they must have turned out well. They went on the machine and then obviously the bosses at that time saw that and they're like, this guy can 
can kind of hold his own. And you were young. I was young. I was, right? yeah, 17, 18 years old. No wow. shit. So what kind of chatter did that make across the across the shop floor and this 17, 18-year-old uh, kid? Is yeah. I mean, there's himself. there's always a little of that bravado shit going on even back then, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, guys like, oh, who's this young punk here? But um, I think I carried myself well enough that I got along with everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, I got another funny story with that, though, back then. So... <laughs> So I'm, when I'm sweeping floors, so I'm still, yeah, I'm, I'm still part-time. So that was my job, sweeping floors, and there was a bunch of, uh, I don't know, guys probably seven, probably 10 years older than me that were like the main machinists there, mm-hmm. and they had these nice Gerstner toolboxes. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but they're wooden toolboxes, and they got all their mics and all their yep. measuring instruments in them, and they were all on roller carts. You know, you take a roller cart from machine to machine with your tools, and mm-hmm. And I'm sweeping floors, I'm going back, and I'm going through, and I go back with the broom, and I hook this guy's toolbox, the top of it, with my broom, and whoosh, down shit. it goes. And I had just started. I, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I, I might be, I had a week in. I'm gone. And this guy's toolbox goes, and I'm like, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> I just, Young 60-year-old yeah. kid. You know, and, and smash this guy's box, all his tools are on the ground, and I'm like, oh, my God. So... I don't know if it's funny or not, but you know, I mean, I'm like, oh, I'll pay for it, whatever. And the guy was pissed. I, you know, obviously, you should have well, been. Oh, for sure. You know, and I'm like, I, I had no money. Yeah. You know, I mean, so I'm like, yeah. I, I'll pay you back. I say, I'll take it off every check, you know, whatever, whatever, and whatever it is, whatever I broke, I'll pay for, you know. Yeah. And I got home and I, my dad got home from work and I'm at the kitchen table and I told him about it. I said, oh, dad. He goes, well, pack your shit. He says, because you're, yeah, you're, you're he says, you're going to go back tomorrow and you're, you're done. They're going okay, to wow. get rid of you. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. You know, yeah. I was scared. You know, I went to work. I'm like, oh, here it is. I'm going to get the ax, you know. <laughs> well, they didn't fire me. You no know? shit? But, uh, walking around just checking your pack. Yeah, I was like, I thought for sure I was going <laughs> to get. You were walking around nice and straight, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no slouching. I thought for sure Not I was going to get fired, you know. So it was kind of a funny story. You know him. That was Andre Lafond. You know Andre? I think so. I know Lafond. Yeah. So, well, he ended up, we ended up working together for shit 10 more years together. You know, we ended up being friends and. Right. So, did you buy them all new shit? I bought them whatever was broke. Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was. I think he just glued the toolbox and I don't know. Memory serving me. It was like 200 bucks he wanted just for. But back then, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it was. Buy a grand or so. I love the mindset then, too, of you broke somebody's stuff and now you're not working to make money for yourself. You're yeah, working to pay I was back working to pay back that guy. Yeah, exactly. You broke. And that mm-hmm. that's just how it is sometimes. And you have to learn those values in order to become you know, the person that you you will in the future. Yeah. So you proved your boss. You're making these parts. You're making a name for yourself. You're young. One thing about that, too, is I. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel back then, when you were in your teens, you guys were more like adults than you are than teens are now. You know, yeah, yeah they were like, stuck to a screen brainwashing yeah, them for twelve hours a day. You know, like I feel like it was you were sixteen years old. You're working with your dad. You're doing sh- shit young versus now, sixteen year old. You're like you said behind a computer screen playing video games. You're right. not really learning anything. Well, there was a... No, you're learning TikTok dances, so... Yeah, that's... Well, the, <laughs> the different mindset back then was is we were... I'm not going to use the word poor, but we didn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was, it was kind of an unwritten rule that we knew that mom and dad weren't going to take care of us. There there wasn't yeah. nothing to take care of us with. You know, and they yeah. had made just enough money to get by and keep food on the table... 
So when we were 18, my, you know, like I said, my dad never said, yeah, get the hell out of the house, but you just knew that. You yeah. got to start pulling your weight <laughs> you around here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get out of the house. Yeah, yeah. You know? So what was your, you didn't uh, entertain the idea of college or anything like that? Loosely. I mean. Or military. You thought yeah, about yeah. that, right? So, I mean, I wanted to be a, f- I mean, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. That was my. Yeah, because Top Gun came out. Yeah, and Top Gun cool. came out. And, yeah, it was freaking cool. <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, I did. A, I went to the recruiting place. I can't, it was. It used to be in Manitowoc, and uh, I'm like, I want to fly. I want to fly planes. I, you know, everybody was probably yeah. waiting in line to get in there because of Top Fucking Gun. Name, you yeah. know, and uh, you know, you had to have a, a kind of like a questionnaire, and it was I wore glasses at the time, and that back then, if you wore glasses. Yeah. You weren't flying jets. Yeah, they want um, shitty eyesight. And he's like, "Well, you can be, you know, aircraft. you can be a mechanic." I'm like, "Well, that all sounds great, but I want to fly jets." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got you glasses. Know? Oh, these? Yeah, I don't actually need these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was the end of that. I'm like, "Well, if I can't fly, I don't want to go in." No. Kind of thing, you know. Um, so then I just went to get a, just get a regular college. You know, my grandpa had said that he would, uh, he would have helped funded college if mm-hmm. I would have chose that direction but honestly college never I never even drew interest in going to college mm-hmm. I just didn't I wasn't a good I shouldn't say not a good schooling type I just didn't like how how schooling um, I didn't like how they taught yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and I'm like if I got to continue this on for four years I'm probably not going to do very good because I don't do well with how they teach mm-hmm so you need more hands-on I need to involvement, be t- well, not standing in a sitting in a classroom type deal. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, now I like most now I look yeah. back and I and I figured it out is uh, the method of teaching, the way I was taught in school, they deviated from the way they used to teach in the '40s. Mm-hmm. So now I go on YouTube and stuff, and I'll watch old training videos from the '40s and like when during the war years on how they train people, and I think I would have did very well in that type of schooling. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what's different about it, but I I relate to it a lot better. I follow it a lot better, and it seems more understandable to me. Yeah, because if you're not paying attention or messing off, you get your ass. The teacher kicks your ass. Yeah, <laughs> well, that helps too. <laughs> yeah. Definitely more alert. Yeah. So, so, anyways, I was college was rule. I didn't want to go. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to yeah. do it. I had no interest in it, and I was more of a tinkerer and hands-on person. Anyways, I just like building shit. Yeah. You know? Well, I always remember that you're you're telling me. Um, when you were a kid in high school, you'd have friends that are going to play in basketball and I was working basketball on my practice Nova. instead you're taking apart your lawnmoir. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that did like, that too. You're you're doing more gearhead stuff versus, mm-hmm. you know, some people took a different route. Well, yeah, me and my brother would scour the I mean, everybody back then when you're a kid, you, you wanted to build a go kart. That's what we did, mm-hmm. you know. So we would scour the neighborhood for uh horizontal shaft motors on, that mm-hmm. are put out to the garbage. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a so, very specific. Yeah, it's super like, specific. <laughs> it is. That's what we look for because I mean, all the lawnmowers are vertical shaft, and you yeah, can't you use can't those. You that. can't do anything Just with look them. Look how easy we have it now, though. <laughs> if you want to find a whatever you're looking for, Amazon, Facebook, boom, Amazon, there it Facebook is. Marketplace, whatever it is, yeah. you can find two days, it in a second. Like, I think it. We just became with technology just became weak we did things just got handed to us too convenient it's too convenient like Mm -hmm. you didn't have to go and hunt for anything i find it that i mean i find it too i feel guilty because everything is so easy right now i really do (laughs) you know i can if i need something i just go online google it look it up before 
if I needed to do research on something, I'd have to go to the library. Right. Know. Library, newspaper, library, magazine, newspaper, and books, then and how old go. is what you're lo- is what you're looking at still even current? Yeah. Right. Right. Like, it's crazy. Uh, so I mean, just as going back to when we were kids, like, you know, what we would do for my brother. I, I can't remember how old he was. He must have been. Uh, it was before driving, so he must have been 14, 15 years old. I mean, he built a full wooden boat by himself. Wow. At 15 years old. Yeah. And we'd build the boat, or he built the boat, actually. I didn't have much to do with that. Um, and because I, I was younger, I'm three years younger than him, so I was, wasn't was handsy enough to right. to understand what was going on. And I'm like, Christ, my brother building a freaking boat. Yeah. You know? So it was like a wooden, like he, a wooden rowboat? A pram. You know, it's a flat-bottom boat. Yeah. So we would haul it that thing down to the we lived really close to the river so we'd put it on skateboards we had four skateboards we'd set it on skateboards we'd roll it down uh roll it down the road get it to the river yeah launch it and then he had a uh what started out as uh that's where one of the horizontal motors that we found it started out as an inboard with a, <laughs> we put an engine on it we too. Put, yeah, put an engine on it and then it had a shaft going through and uh, the, the packing seal I think there's a specific name for it I forget what it is goes through to a prop and he had a rudder on it okay and he'd go put around the nice. river with it you know in a 14 little, years old little, 14 fucking years old so yeah. people just quit pissing the bed at 14 little five horse Briggs and Stratton on it but it was slow and uh, yeah. he yeah, got it still it floated and it moved yeah. right? right so yeah. But no, this gets sharp. this gets better. So we got it back, and um, again, I don't know where he got this motor from, but he found ended up finding an outboard, a Mercury outboard. I think it was like a ten horse or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Mercury outboard, and then uh, he had to beef up the transom to hold it, and he put that ten horse on there. <laughs> and holy shit, she did that fricker move in? <laughs> yeah, because it was a flat bottom boat, you yeah. know. And then uh, skipped once it got uh, on plane, yeah. it just fricking hauled oh, ass. Awesome. But then it wouldn't turn because yeah. it was it, it was, was flat. A, it, it was, was flat, squirrely, yeah. and the so thing was squirrely yeah. as hell. Yeah. <laughs> So we got it back, and we put runners. He screwed runners to the bottom to try and yeah, keep it's it. Like a surfboard. Yeah. So then he ended up getting huh. it dialed in, so you could turn That's with awesome. it and everything. That sounds Where fucking fun, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Any idea where it is today? Oh, I, I'm sure it's in a. It got burned or something. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it wasn't uh, anything that was that was going to be saved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that then, sounds freaking awesome. Omega. Yeah. Because the story the story's good on that because you start move you start working your way up. Yep. So, okay. So Omega, so I'm back on that, uh, making parts for the company. Um, and I did, honestly, uh, we're building these machines, big, you know, big machines that take up a whole room. And I didn't know what they really did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just a guy on this making parts for this stuff and they're putting these right. things back here and I, and I didn't know what they did. Right. So then, you know, it'd take about, uh, six to eight months to build a machine. And then, they would start running and testing it, and it was yeah. a wrapping machine for wrapping toilet paper. Yep. And I was like, holy shit, this is really freaking cool, and it's a fully automated thing, but it's all mechanical. Yeah. You know, no servos, no modern-day technology. It's all cams and levers and shit. A lot shit. of linkages. A lot of linkages. And then fast-moving parts. And for <laughs> some reason, all that stuff, I just loved it. Yeah. You know, moving connection parts and stuff. It's like a giant erector set to yeah. me and it was awesome. So I was really like, man, I really like this. This is a great job. So everybody would ask me like later on in life, uh, where'd you go to, you know, where'd you go to college? You know, you must've went to college. Well, my college was Omega. That's right. where I learned everything was at that company. Mm-hmm. And we did a lot there. We did machining, we did electrical work, hydraulic work, pneumatic work. Um, I feel like you learned the basics. 
Yeah, the there's a lot stuff, though. that you could expand. No, yeah. right. The basics of how things worked. Exactly. You know? That's and it. And that's pretty much all you need to be able to get you to the next points throughout your life. So then we moved to a different building. Um, and then uh, this was a brand new building, moved to a new building. And then from there, uh, I went from machining parts to assembly of these machines. Mm-hmm. So that was like a natural progression, you know, uh, well, you, you kind of, the way we did it was we'd make all the parts, build the machine, test the machine, go on to the next one. Mm-hmm. So part of the year, you're machining parts to get it to build this machine. The next part of the year, you're putting it together, Yeah. you know, and then you kind of just, it's a revolving cycle. You just kind of keep doing it. So then I got into assembly, started putting these things together and testing them, and the years went on, and then we started adding more equipment, more machines um, that we were building. And then it got to the point where we needed service people to go out in the fields and set these things up. Mm-hmm. So I'm young at that time. So my first trip, I think I was 24 years old. It was the first time I ever flew. Yeah. And they're sending me to Crossit, Arkansas. It's a little shithole down in the yeah. middle of nowhere yeah. in Arkansas. And so how, how did you go from <clears throat> assembly to service? So when you're assembling machines, um, then there's you got to test them. You know, you have to test the machines, learn how they work, blah, blah, blah. So I, I just was a natural at it, I guess. I could fix the machines, get them going. And this first, I can't really remember, was it a setup? or I think this first trip they sent me on wasn't a, a full setup of a machine. It was just I had to go there and fix something. Mm. So we had just built a machine just like it. The guy that did the service was gone somewhere else, and they're like, "Can you, do you think you can go there and fix whatever it was needed fixing?" I'm like, "Yeah, I, I can do. That. I just put it together on this machine, you know." Mm-hmm. So my first trip wasn't a full setup; it was just going to f- fix a problem. Mm-hmm. And I went there, I did it, and I was like, oh, "Okay, everything went well." And then it just kind of grew and expanded from that. And then I ended up, um, you know, assembling. And then when machines were done, I'd go set them up and install them. Mm-hmm. One opportunity allowed you to continue to move yeah, more and more up exactly. into, the, into the company. And I like the main thing too, is that it didn't happen overnight. Like it takes time no, it didn't, to no, be able so, like yeah, prove to them that you can, that you're knowledgeable to be able to get, take it to the next step. Right. You know? And it wasn't just me. There were other people in the company that were doing, kind of doing the yeah. same. I had hired with another guy and him and I started at the same time and we were both kind of going up in the company at the same pace and they needed new blood to keep yeah. it rolling. So both him and I were traveling. He was going one direction. I was going the other direction, whatever it is. Yep. So then how did you, how long did you work at Omega for? 13 years. Wow. So then towards like the end, where were you? Yeah. So what, what I mean, you? what happened in the middle there is um, the company wanted new machines and uh, there was a, a new company that started in uh, Italy competing equipment and they had a lot of power. There was a, they had some sharp engineers and their machines were kind of like, um, kind of blowing us out of the water a little bit. I mean, ours would function, but they would be a little faster or they would change over a little easier. Right. And uh, they were offering the customers more of what they wanted. It, everybody wanted the bells and whistles. That was the new thing. And they wanted a touch screen. They didn't want knobs and switches and things. So this other company was offering that. And we were like, hey, we got to... Because you know, I was going out in the field setting up, and I was seeing this new equipment. I'm like, holy shit, we gotta, we have to pick up our game here right. a little bit. And I would come back, and so um, 
uh, we wanted to um, design a machine to wrap single roll toilet paper. That was a big market, and there was only one, one or two machines in the in the world that that wrapped it. Right, and it was a big market. So the market is um, uh, hotels or any service. I mean, all of you have been somewhere where you see a single roll of toilet paper mm-hmm. wrapped with the the coarse stuffed in the yep, end in yep. paper. So there were only a couple handful of machines out there, brands that would uh, would do that. So I kind of had a clever idea of doing it, and I presented it to my boss. I'm like, hey, I, th- I think we can make a machine to to do this. And, I mean, he, he kind of cut me loose and said, moved me from going traveling in the world, out and, uh, you know, setting up machines to mm-hmm. in engineering. And he kind of says, show me what show me what you can do kind yeah. of thing, you know. So I spent a shit ton of time, and I designed it. And because it was sidelined from our normal stuff that we were selling, I had made most of the parts for the machine myself for the first prototype. I didn't make everything, but a, a lot of stuff mm-hmm. I would make. And then I was on the side kind of putting this machine together, kind of like a test demo machine to mm-hmm. see if we could make this work. And then uh, we saw progression, and I was like, holy shit, this thing might actually work. It was kind of, It was a complicated machine. Yeah. And uh, then the boss threw more resources at it and said, okay, let's get this thing done and working. So then he kind of threw the whole everybody at it to to finish it. So we had electrical engineer there, right. and he did all the wiring and got the panel together, and we got this thing fired up and running. And some bitch, it worked. You know? good? <laughs> well, not right away, but yeah. it took a while. But it had you could tell it had promise right yeah. out of the gate. But, I mean, even at this age, you're still in your 20s. You're young, right? Yeah. Yeah. So building a, a whole new machine, launching a whole new division of the company after this product, you got that opportunity because you showed value. You showed what you could do to the organization, not, again, expecting yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, hey, I think I can do this. Really good opportunity. I did my market research. I'm going to design it. Give me a chance. You know. And, yeah, kind of. And you created that opportunity for yourself. Yeah, I think so. Um well, then the machine ended up, uh, we ended up, it took like a, I can't remember the exact timeline, but, you know, one or two, maybe two years. It took two years to probably put it to bed like it was mm-hmm. a good saleable machine. Then we started selling them, you know, and then that was kind of my baby. So I was the one going out to set them all up because I was the one yep. that knew it and knew it to get it going. Nobody ever seen in a machine like this before. So they weren't going to send anybody. Well, they ended up later on sending other people to service them and stuff, but hmm. but I went and serviced it. So on a sideline to that, um, at home for fun, I'm building a Lamborghini Countach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just on the, all the free time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for fun. Yeah. Besides building a brand new machine from scratch, also building a Countach <laughs> in my garage. <laughs> so that's where the car stuff comes in. So I was always a car fanatic. I mean, and, uh, at that time, the Lamborghini Countach was the that was the pinnacle. And beautiful car. The owned the 80s. It did. And uh, I yeah, wanted yeah. one. I wanted one so bad I could freaking taste it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I, there was no chance. I don't cha- think most people's thought process is, man, I really want one of those. I'll just build one. Like, <laughs> yeah, I can't afford it, so I'll build it. <laughs> That's what it was. I couldn't afford it. I knew I wasn't going to be able to afford it. And I'm like, I'll, I'll make one. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a lot. I mean, Sick. this time in my life, there was a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Well, then you, yeah, had, and then you guys came along. Dylan. Yeah. Um, so it was busy time, you know, I mean, it's all kind of compiling on top of itself. So, but I, I want to expand on this because especially 
one of the purposes of the podcast is the the nitty gritty side of it of where you are at life when you started up a company. Like at this point, you and mom didn't have much money. No, you had a newborn. You had Dylan. Yep. You're, uh, and you just bought a house. So finances are probably tough. Like you're paying bills. You're just getting by, and. Well, I turned the corner. I mean, I will agree. With, I mean, when I designed that last machine, I turned the corner in the company, and he, uh, the owner, started paying me pretty good. Nice. So at the t- for you realized your value, but yeah, it took a long time to get it there. Did. Right. So f- at that time, I was making um, pretty good money. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Yeah, when I was designing the machine, I was making thirteen bucks an hour. But when uh, kind of at the the height of my career, I was making fifty grand. Mm-hmm. Nice. Back then, yeah. In the early 90s, that's pretty so solid. That was, that was solid money. Yeah. So I, um, we weren't um, struggling. Yeah. You know, I was making a good wage, and we were living a good life, and um, I could have continued that life like it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I was telling you about that competition company coming in, they were coming in strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, – we needed to advance our other equipment, not to, not just the one that I did, but our other equipment needed to advance. And uh, the owner of the company, he he would keep pulling us back, like he didn't want to he didn't want to go that direction. Maybe because he didn't know it enough, but I could see that it was going to be a problem yeah. for the company that our sales weren't going to. I could just see it because I would go travel when I was traveling. I would see all this new equipment. I'm like, we are not keeping up with these guys, yeah. and it's going to be tough. Right. So I could see that we were probably not going to to be around much longer, or we were going to slow really down in sales. Yeah. And I kind of didn't like. It. I wanted to. I wanted the bar to keep getting pushed and going, mm-hmm. advancing with the companies. Mm-hmm. You know? And in, especially in such a niche market like that was, right. you had to yeah. adapt and overcome. You did and pivot. You, yeah, otherwise you, you're going to be left. Yeah, in the you dust. had to stay with the times, or it wasn't going to happen. That's and that was my view of it. So, towards the end, I was designing another machine, um, kind of based off the same concept of uh, the single roll machine I was telling you about, mm-hmm. and this was a napkin wrapper. So, a napkin, you know, you, it's they call it accordion napkins. So you go yep, to the store yep. and you buy them accordion ones. It's wrapped around. Yep. So I yep. made a machine. That was like my final project at that company. Nice. To make a machine to wrap napkins, and it was kind of based real similar to the concept of the other machine, and uh, that was a cool that that was a cool piece. And um, but it got to the point sideline i'm building the car in my garage i'm like i see the writing on the wall that this company might not make it longer not that my boss was good he was good but i kind of wanted to be my own boss a little thing i and i wanted to keep going i guess um so i'm like the only way i can do this either i'm jumping ship going to one of these other companies that are doing this next stuff or i'm going to do it on my own right um so i went to uh um so i was building that car in my garage um, and I needed to bend there was one two you know there's like six tubes on the car that need to be bent mm-hmm. okay I went to a local company we had a, a tube bending company right in our city and I'm like hey can you what did, I need to bend these couple tubes can you do this oh yeah if you got a thousand of them I can bend it otherwise it's going to be you know some stupid number yeah. to make a die to bend and I'm like ah oh, shit I just want to need to bend these tubes you right. know and I, it was frustrating. I was kind of pissed. And there was no internet at the time, no way to, like, Google, hey, who would it work? And I send tubes. Yeah. I'm like, well, shit, I design machines for a living. I'm just going to design a machine to bend this tubing. Yeah. 
So I did. So in my free time, I designed a machine at home. This all makes sense. Though. <laughs> Starting 15 projects at yeah. once. Yeah, now I see. It's all good. I still do it. I still do it to this Even day. Even when you were in your 20s. Yeah, because then, <laughs> that they don't know, too, you also built a garage in between there and did I, a bunch I, of other I built a garage projects, to build the car. Remodeled, remodeled the house. Yeah, built a garage to build the car. Yeah. <laughs> Had a kid. All this stuff. Uh, so... Um, I, you got married at this point too, didn't you? Yeah. This is when you and mom got married? Yeah. Yeah. So 1990, we got married. I'm trying to think. Yeah. So, yeah. About anyhow, I'm building the car. Where was I going with that? You're building the car. You're looking for tubes. Oh, yeah. Somebody to bend the tubes, but you couldn't find anyone. Might right. as well add another project to the list. So I made a machine to do it. And uh, that's when, you know, I my shop was kind of like the... Uh, people would come and hang out because they always wanted to see what the crazy Get guy the down ears, the street yeah. was doing <laughs> in, in the garage, you know. So I would have that machine there, and they're like, holy shit, that thing's really cool, the tubing bender, you know. Don't mind the Countach being built. Yeah, <laughs> and I only – no, that was part of – they came to see the car. No, I know. Uh, but I was um, – I bent the tubes I needed, and it was crude. It was a crude machine. It wasn't a saleable machine. It was just, just enough yeah. machine to bend the tubes. And I was like, well – I says, if I need to bend these tubes, somebody else needs to do it in this country too. So, I, and people would say, oh, that's a really cool machine. You should sell those. I'm like, oh, maybe, you know. So redesign the machine. I spent a bunch of time redesigning it, making it into a saleable item, like packaging it, putting a stand on it. And I'm like, well, who the hell in the world needs tube bending? And I'm like, well, first thing that popped in my head was, you know, NASCAR. NASCAR was really big at that time, actually. It was oh, yeah, in the 90s, NASCAR yeah. is NASCAR. king. Jeff Gordon, yeah. Dale Earnhardt, let's go. And uh, the only, um, like I said, no internet or anything, it was magazines. Mm -hmm. So I would go to the local grocery store or whatever and pull all them, you know, Hot Rod, and, um, you know, Hot Rod Magazine, Hot Rodder, uh, Circle Track, you know, there was a bunch of racing magazines. Mm -hmm. And in the back, you'd look in the back in the classifieds, and that's where you, you would get your information on what's going on in the world. And there was a um, a trade show, trade show, Circle Track Racing Expo that was in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, that's where I'm going to find out if this thing yeah. is, a, is a real deal or not. And I didn't yeah. even know if there was competition. I didn't even know if there was another tubing bender company out there. Anything, right. you know? So how long did it take you from, okay, you realized, all right, I might have something here. Let's redesign it to, all right, I'm going to North Carolina to this event. I don't know, it's for six, trade show. probably six months, maybe. Which is pretty pretty yeah, fucking yeah. impressive because yeah. remember, this is a time when there's no computers for drafting or any of that stuff, right? Yeah. So well, I had doing, AutoCAD. At that time, I had, auto, AutoCAD? I had AutoCAD. Okay, yeah, so very, 2D ba AutoCAD. very basic yeah, just um, rendering softwares, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And you were still able to get that all done and packaged up. And, like, did you? how did you figure out pricing? Like, did you do any of that or did you just kind of – I did it all, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I came up with well, – uh, I was somewhat experienced because I was figuring out pricing for the machines we were building. You yeah. Know? But I didn't know nothing about markups and margins or any of that kind of crap, you know. So I would talk to my accountant. He says, well, whatever you got, whatever it costs to make it, he said, double it. I'm like, okay, that's what I did. So this cool. is what it cost that's me to good. make it times two. That was the <laughs> sale price. Yeah. And uh, I took two weeks of vacation at the company I was working, and I packed up a trailer and uh bought a spot at this circle track racing expo and shot down there for a trade show then put my machine in there and uh got there and uh, w walking through you know and i'm wheeling the thing in by hand there's a whole story about getting there too but uh 
pushing it in and everybody's looking like I said racing was big at the time they're like holy shit look at that a two mm. bender woo and I'm yeah. like holy fuck I don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right look at it <laughs> so how are they doing how are they doing it up currently at this well, time, at that time like, are they, well, are like they said, cutting and welding or how are they no bend, they were, how, bend, they were they bending were bending. there was a bender out there and I didn't know it yeah you know and it was a, it was called Pro Tools mm-hmm. bender and it was a, a hand ratcheting style uh-huh. bender uh-huh. and uh, mine was powered mm. you know um, I didn't like I said I didn't even know that bender existed till I got to this trade show and I got here and I'm like holy shit there's competition <laughs> mm-hmm. there's Surprise, this yeah. so, you know, there's this one there's that one or these and and I had designed mine to only bend inch and a half tubing and I wasn't schooled in NASCAR to know that they bend one they bend one and three quarter mm-hmm. so I only designed a machine to bend one and a half because that's what I needed for my car so now you just got all the way to North Carolina yeah you found out that there's competition and you found out that the tubing they're bending is bigger that's correct so yeah, okay. so so I so I struck out on all three. <laughs> so. Well, at least you made it better than theirs, though. Yours was well, your, yes yours and had no. A, a motor on it. It did. Um, so uh, what I realized quickly is it wasn't a great machine um, for speed. Yeah, it did the job, you know, but it, it was slow. And what I was like, I said, I didn't know any of this stuff was out there, and I didn't know what the market was like. Yeah. And I realized I'm like, oh, this thing is too slow, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I only made three of that, or f- I'm sorry, four of that model, four of that first model, and I had to redesign it right, right. away because I knew it wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna go. Would you sell those four? I have one. I have one of the four you in do? my in my attic. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And uh, the first one went to Penske Racing. Damn, pretty big customer right out of the yeah. gate. And I don't know where the other two. I don't remember where the other two went. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, one of them is that Burger Boat. Yeah. And then the third one. So there's one missing. Damn, two big companies. One so missing that- somewhere. That uh, that trade show, looking at it, probably gave you a lot of one knowledge because you're like, okay, what else out there is in the industry? But two, probably motivation because you're like, hell yeah, people love my machine. I sold some of them, yeah, and I got a because sh- I remember you saying you got a shit ton of business cards from yeah, it too. That's it. <laughs> so, so the feedback from the show was good. Feedback was good, and people, I mean, I knew from the feedback that there was a, a want for this because the other machine that was out there was manual. Yeah, it wasn't powered. I'm like, there's a, a need or desire for a powered machine instead right. of uh, a muscle. So, like I told you, you know, just previously talking, I came back with a shoebox full of of uh, business cards, and I had no fucking clue on how to sell yeah. machines, none. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what what do I do with all this? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. So you had to take vacation from your day job. Yeah. Okay, so this is all that's still happening. It is. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, then I mean, we want to continue, or we want to. We get, we'll do. We'll, we'll finish this this episode up on a on a next one. But a few notes I want to make quick. One is going back to the uh, industry side of things when you're working at Omega. Anybody starting up a business, even from the two benders that you're making, at an early stage, you have to understand how big the industry is. You were making machines that rolled toilet paper. And you weren't the only one ones doing it. No. So look at how big the industry is, and you can make such niche products in such niche industries yeah. and make a killing. The uh, people are always going to be wiping their ass. Yeah, so. they were all, and, and <laughs> the two so too, right? Secure jobs. It's such a it's a massive industry, but it's small on the grand scale of things. But mm-hmm. there's such a massive opportunity there if you just focus your entire energy on that. I mean, I thought about going or staying in the paper industry. Because yeah. there is a lot of money in the paper Especially industry. Especially in, yeah. in yeah. this area, right? And in their good-paying jobs. Yeah, I mean, this area is like the pinnacle, but 
paper industry is huge around the country. Right. Yeah. There's paper. I mean, everybody, like you said, everybody needs to wipe their ass and blow their nose. Yeah. So the paper industry is... Um, alive and well and if you can find a niche product that fits the paper industry yeah you're gonna make a lot of money yeah and uh i, I shouldn't say i was burnt out but i kind of was burnt out in the paper world a little bit yeah and i kind of wanted to try something different well, now you got this new little you know shiny object that <laughs> yeah you, is in your control <laughs> chasing you know? butterflies yeah. Yeah. yeah um but a second last thing i want to cover too is if you're at an organization especially like you were lower the expectations and work your ass off to prove it to people and show your worth you know especially in today's industry or in today's society with social media and stuff i feel like it's just so of uh, the expectations are much higher in such a short span of time you were sweeping floors for two plus years and did, you know didn't ask for anything the, you, you the work paid. ethic is i mean i i hold that in high regard yeah. i do because i just don't i mean some people have it but i don't see it like i used to see it like you bust your ass yeah <laughs> all day yeah you know that we had break we so it was it was kind of it was really strict where i worked so we had buzzers and bells for everything so buzzer for the time to start buzzer for break when you have break buzzer yeah. for when the break is over and if you weren't doing something in between that you got written up or jacked up yeah so it was it was hard back then yeah it was strict i mean right. and, you were always kind of looking over your shoulder, like if you're taking, you have to be productive. If you weren't right. doing something being productive, you were cleaning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll pick this up again next week. We'll talk about a lot of interesting things of when you teamed up with Stefan at Bailey. You guys that's, started. So that's, that's next. That's pretty much next step, right? Yeah. So we ju- we'll catch up. He just finished the, the trade show and yep. then you just got back. You got the shoebox full of business cards. Now what do we do? Yeah, exactly. And that's. That's kind of the beginning yeah. of uh, a be- beginning it's of our MBA. Cliffhanger because it gets really exciting from here. It yeah, does. let's yeah. go. This is just up. this is just building, right? So we got yeah. a lot of leads. How do we how do we attack them? Yeah, <clears throat> cool. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Rotaform and Fuel Off Road Re- Wheels, which will be the main sponsor at Viperfest. Um, if you win the burnout contest, you win a free set of Rotaform or Fuel Off Road Wheels. If you win the car show, you win a package of stuff. You win a set of Rotiform or Fuel Off-Road wheels along with a Viper cha- two Viper chairs and an Adams Polishes detailing package. And ViperFest is available. Tickets are ready to go on ViperFest.com. Don't miss this event. It's going to be sick. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.